it's Eddie Trunk, and you're checking out the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Eddie. You got it, man. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Guy and Combat, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So it's time to fucking get the wax out of your fucking ears. That's right, we say fuck a lot. Right here on the Rock and Metal Combat fucking podcast. Hey, 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 yeah, it's me again. It's Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Dying Combat with my not-so-sober co-host, Ian Wadley. Yeah, you got that right. I'm pretty fucking far from sober, but I'm ready to do some goddamn reviewing today. But before we get into talking about the album, we have this new segment we just started last week. Current events, events, events. And uh, Ian, I'll let you, you know, um, I'm going to throw this to you, man. Every week, you're the one that's going to pick what is the best current event for that week. And I'll just join in the conversation. What do you say? All right. Well, you know, as listeners listen to this, it's going to be a little bit late news, but more current than usual. A couple of events that were announced. Sabbath says they're going to do one more album. One more album and one more tour. Uh, And Ozzy said he hopes, basically, you know, he hopes Bill Ward has his shit together. For a better better lack of the word, how he put it. Uh, You know, to play on the album. And, you know, I hope so too. And I'm not saying, you know, I hope Bill Ward has a shit together. I just hope he's there no matter what. Because, uh, I mean, if you're going to end it, end it, end it, you know, you got to have fucking Bill Ward there. Because to me, it ain't Sabbath without Bill Ward. But Ozzy also put out, you know, and there's a couple things we could talk about. Yeah, before that, he's going to have a solo album out. And he's writing material now, and I find this very interesting. Not with Gus G or Master P or whoever the fuck's playing guitar for him right now, but he's writing with a guitar player called Billy Morrison, who's played with Billy Idol. He's played with the Cult, uh, this uh, wannabe supergroup Camp Freddy, and he said that the new uh, the new music is happier than Black Sabbath. Uh, so that Tony Iommi owns the uh, the doom and gloom. And his songs are more melodic, more song structure, and more happy. Uh, I don't know if I like that. You know, I don't. I don't know if I like the sound of that or not. But uh, I am happy about one more Sabbath album and one more tour, since I didn't get to see the thirteenth tour. Uh, but you bet your ass, I hope Bill Ward's there. Uh, Ralph, what, what do you have to say on uh, these new current events? Well, I would be happy if Bill Ward was to join Black Sabbath, but. I feel uh, by Ozzy saying that, it's just pure damage control because uh, Bill Ward does have his shit together. Actually, he has his shit together better than fucking Ozzy, that's for sure. Because Ozzy doesn't have anything together. Uh, Sharon's the one that pulls his strings, okay? So, Ozzy's not one to talk. And you know what, man? I I don't think anybody loves Ozzy more than me, but fuck, man. Let the truth be the truth, man. Bill Ward is fucked. He gets fucked because... He wanted a fair share. They wouldn't give it to him. Now, here's the thing that pisses me off about a lot of idiots out there in internet land that say, well, 
uh, you know, Bill Ward can't drum anymore. I mean, Ozzy even said it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then why did they ask him to be in the reunion in the first place if that was the case? No, Ozzy did his little damage control after Bill Ward said, I ain't doing this shit for chicken feed. You're going to have to pay me my fair due. And since they said, fuck you and left him, then Ozzy changed his tune with his, oh, well, he can't drum anymore. Oh, you know, fuck you guys, man. Fuck all you that, that eat. You know, it's, it, it baffles my mind how many people on the internet hate Ozzy with the Bill War, uh, B, uh, Bob Daisley thing. But then when it comes with Bill Ward, it's like they believe Ozzy all of a sudden. What the hell's up with that? You believe him one minute, it's just whatever is good for you. You don't believe Ozzy when it comes to Bob Daisley, but you believe him when it comes to Bill Ward. You, you guys are a bunch of jackasses. Wake up and smell the Sabbath, okay? Bill Ward is good enough to play on the album. Okay, I'll give you this. Maybe he's not good enough to do the tour. I could kind of see that. I mean, he's up in age. Touring is very rigorous and hard. Maybe he can't pull it off. But you're going to tell me that motherfucker can't go in the fucking studio and bash out an album with Black Sabbath? Of course he can. Yes, he can. So if he ends up not being on the next Black Sabbath album, my predictions are right. Ozzy's just doing damage control. So when they don't bring him back because he's going to demand what he deserves, they're going to say, well, you heard me a couple months ago wishing he'd get his shit together. Yeah. What Ozzy means is about getting shit together to be our lap dog, you know, to, to, to accept whatever peanuts we throw his way. And Bill Ward is a man of honor, man. And Bill Ward has always been a class act, man. So he just wants his fucking fair share. To me, it's not Black Sabbath without any of the four. Without Ozzy, I'm sorry. I love the Dio era. It's great, but it's not Black Sabbath to me. It's heaven and hell. And so is Born Again everything else. To me, the real Black Sabbath is the original four. Just like Van Halen. Like every fucking original lineup, man. That, to me, is the real deal. Whatever comes afterwards, once you take out one component, it's not the same band anymore. Especially Black Sabbath. I mean, come on, man. That rhythm section is the best rhythm section ever. Without Bill Ward, it's missing something very vital and it shows on the 13 album anybody that listens to 13 I don't give a fuck if you love 13 you cannot tell me it has the same vibe as the original fucking 70 Sabbath because the drums are way too safe Bill Ward was adventurous so I know I'm a little long winded so I'm just going to end this by saying fine do the tour without him do the tour with that guy that they didn't allow to play on 13 but do the album with Bill Ward. You know, just some fucking respect for the legacy of Black Sabbath. End it, end it like he started it. Amen. Uh, can I talk? Yeah, go ahead. All right, all right here we go. Um, now, here's one thing. And, and, you know, you'd be surprised. I'm going to stick up for Ozzy here. I don't think it's just Ozzy that's blocking Bill because... You know, and, and a lot of this, it's on the internet, and so you don't know what's true or what's not. And anybody can say anything. But uh, I've read some shit where they say it has a lot to do with Tony Iommi, too. Remember those two horrible tracks, new tracks, that they recorded for the reunion album. Uh, I think Bill was on one, and the other one was a drum machine. And I've read that it was actually Tony Iommi who said that Bill wasn't cutting the mustard and wanted the drum track. 
so I don't know that it's necessarily just Ozzy that's that's fucking Bill, but I will agree it does not sound like Black Sabbath without my favorite drummer of all fucking time is Bill Ward. Uh, his loose uh, jazz, you know, off the beat drumming to me is just as important to Sabbath as Tony Iommi's riffs, Geezer's bass and lyrics, and, and you know, and Ozzy's vocals. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, a lot of, it's easy to blame Ozzy or, you know, to blame Sharon, but, uh, you know, there's some other people that might be fucking billed too. And I'm, I'm going to stick up for Ozzy here and just say, it's not just him being an asshole. I think, you know, other guys could step up too and say, Hey, Bill Ward's going to be on this. I also agree with you. Maybe Bill can't do a tour. But be on the album, because that is the only way you're going to get that sound. I totally agree on 13. There's some decent songs there, but the drumming is way too pedestrian. Especially for Sabbath. I mean, that's part of the sound, was those crazy fucking drums. And the way it interacted with everything. Um, You know, so I hope they get their shit together. And, uh, you know, and I'm really scared about this new, you know, you didn't touch on this, but the new Ozzy album. With uh, you know, I find it odd he's not writing with uh, with Gus G, who's supposed to be his new guitar god. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think it's with when it comes to just Ozzy by himself, I think it's all about saving money. I think it got to a point where maybe they had to pay too much money to Zach Wild because Zach Wild got to a certain stature, and uh, you know, so oh, we got to pay this guy, but we can get this Gus G from fucking. Finland or Uzbekistan or wherever the fuck this guy comes from, give him fucking peanuts to play for Ozzy, and and it's not the same. And it, and there, there's a problem there right off the bat. Why isn't he writing with this guy? If this guy is the guy for Ozzy, how come they're not writing songs together the way that he wrote songs with Randy, the way he wrote songs with Zach, the way he wrote songs with uh, Jake, you know? Uh, and the way he know. wrote songs with Joe. Oh no, never mind. Exactly. I mean, it don't matter if you want a good song. Uh, Bob Daisley better write the fucking shit. You know? <laughs> uh, let's not go there again. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, so anyway, that's what's going up, and uh, you know. Wait, but I want I want to say something about. Uh, what, all right, what, all right, I want to rebut what you said. Okay, well, go ahead. I honestly don't think Ozzy, Tony, or Geezer are responsible for Bill Ward not being on the. In the reunion, because Bill Ward himself came out and said during the whole mess, please do not blame Ozzy, Tony, and Geezer. I love them all. It's really management that's fucking it all up. Uh, As far as those two shitty songs you said, I highly disagree. I thought Psycho Man was awesome. Great drumming. It was an awesome song. So, um... Really? Yeah. Psycho Man was a great, great song. Uh, The other one, yeah. You could. I, I didn't know it was dr- uh, drum machine so much later, but even back then, I was like, I don't like this song too much. But, but you think you think Psycho Man is up to par with uh, with it's Seven be- Sabbath? It's better than anything on Thirteen. Yes. Ooh. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I, I disagree. But I do not like Thirteen at all. I'm sorry. It has some moments. It has some good songs. If it wasn't Black Sabbath, I would like them more. But they're too safe. They're too pedestrian, drum-wise. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
Psycho Man had those little like left turns like Megalomania did, and I, I dug it. I dug that song. This this really pains me to say it, but I, I think uh, another big problem with 13, besides the drumming, I mean, first and foremost, the drumming, ugh, I think is Iomi. Because I don't know if... Because I didn't like fucking Devil You Know. I, I, I thought it kind of ran out of ideas there. It's like, where's the riffs? Where's... Where's you know the Iomi of old? I don't you know. I got I got to tell you, um, Devil You Know for me was a grower. I actually love that album, but I did feel exactly what you did. Like when it first came out, I was like, man, the only thing I like on here is Bible Black. Um, oh, I, I, I was I was the same way. Uh, but another thing was, uh, if if you go back in interviews, Vinnie Apice said. They wrote the whole album basically with a drum machine and then said, hey, play along with the drum machine. And Vinnie Apice was very upset about like not having input on writing the songs. And uh, I think the drumming is very important to Black Sabbath. Very important. It's just as important as Iommi's riffs. And I think that's what's missing. I, I think you need like everybody in the same room coming up with something together. Not like, you know, everybody in separate hotels on separate you know, continents with a fucking Casio and their fucking, you know, uh, Pro Tools. I think you need that human connection of everybody together writing a song um, to, get that, to get that Sabbath sound. Well, okay, I know this ain't going to be a popular thing to say, but I really don't think drums are important with Black Sabbath when it's not Ozzy singing. Now, let me explain this. Bill Ward played on Heaven and Hell, and his drumming was very safe on it, though... To me, Heaven and Hell is perfection personified. It is the perfect album. To me, there's not one. I love Walk Away. And that's the one everybody points at as the filler track. I love that whole album, but that's not Bill Ward's drumming, man. And it's a whole different band. You can't tell me, you know, other than, you know, some of the guitar solos sound like early Sabbath. That album is very modern. Very perfect, where Black Sabbath was more organic. And what made it so organic was the loose drumming where mob rules heaven and hell dehumanizer devil you know was all non-adventurous drums but still i mean in my opinion all awesome albums yes i will say devil you know is my least favorite of the four but um the drumming is nothing that stands out on none of those albums that's how Uh, i feel i i agree two thousand percent uh I mean, I think on uh, on Heaven and Hell, you know, the total standout is Iommi's guitar and and Dio's vocals. Uh, I get that, but I mean, if you want, you know, we're talking real Black Sabbath here, which we all agree is the original four. Uh, all four of them are equally important, and it, it, you know, if you're gonna go out, if you're gonna say, "Hey, I'm fucking, this is it, we're done." You gotta you gotta have Bill there, and you gotta have Bill playing, you know that Bill Ward drumming, and uh, I I don't know what they have against him. I don't know if he's really lost it or not, but you know they fucked him on the reunion album. I thought he did great on the live shows that I saw. And I know you know Ralph, you and me were at the same fucking shows in South Florida. He was amazing, amazing drumming, in, in, incredible, incredible, and it wasn't like. Uh, you know, you could tell by listening to it. It wasn't like P. 
Peter Chris on the Kiss reunion tours where it's all triggered drums. That was Bill Ward. That yeah. was Bill Bill Ward fucking playing his heart and soul. But for whatever reason, uh, it wasn't deemed good enough for those shitty, in my opinion, uh, studio tracks on reunion. And I, I just don't get it. Bill yeah, Ward is okay. just phenomenal. Uh, I agree with you. But then we can go back to... Uh... Uh, your buddy Ke- Kevin Karen Valentine, whatever the hell that guy's name is, that played on I, uh, and and we see Eric Carr play it live, and he plays it. No, that so, was Alan Schwartzberg. Okay, Alan Schwartzberg, like he does these drums instead of Eric Carr, and then you listen to Eric Carr do it live, and he does it perfect. So I don't know. There's certain things in the studio where I, hey, look, I'm not part of a legendary band, so I don't know the politics and what goes behind the scenes. But I know that Bill Ward, especially Selling Your Soul, he could have nailed that. But why he didn't play on it, I don't know. It may go a little deeper than that. But I know the whole thing about now is that Bill Ward would be in Black Sabbath if it wasn't for management. A lot of people like to put their fingers on Sharon Osbourne, and maybe it is her. But you know what? None of us know. None of us truly know. It just seems that it's a total Sharon move. Now, another thing I want to bring up, is that Bill Ward did come out like a month or so ago, a couple months ago, on uh, Blabbermouth saying, you know what, man? I lost a good friend. And he was talking about Ozzy. Because Ozzy said a lot of fucked up shit about him. And uh, he, he doesn't talk to Ozzy anymore. And him and Ozzy were close. Even through the whole, you know, D.O. years and Gillen and, you know, the whole Sabbath run without Ozzy, Bill and Ozzy were very close. And now... They're no longer friends because of all this shit that Ozzy keeps coming out and saying. Which, to me, makes it even seem more like it's a Sharon Osbourne situation, you know? But all I know is that, you know, Tony and Geezer's been quiet. And I know it's total management. They want him back. I know they want him back. But I feel like their hands are tied. I feel like they may have signed some contracts where they would get sued and become bankrupt other than Ozzy. Because Ozzy's like fucking... You know, Teflon with these guys, man. Because, you know, Ozzy is a name where, you know, come on. Tony needs Ozzy. Geezer needs Ozzy. I mean, they all will do okay without him. But with Ozzy, they will fill up, you know, amphitheaters everywhere, you know. And that's just the cold-hearted truth. It's all about money and contracts. And I think that's why Bill, Geezer, and Ozzy keep their mouth shut when it comes to the Bill Ward thing. Except for Ozzy. He comes out and slams them all the time. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I think that's also why the fucking music comes across as dull. Because it's all about the money. It yeah. is, it's it's not about, you know, four guys that feel it, that live it, that love it. It's like, hey, let's knock out some shit so we can go on tour and, uh, you know, I can pay my house note and my kids are taken care of. Yeah, and, and there's not that... There's not that urgency to the music. And while I do love some music on... Uh, on 13, I would just, I would really love to hear four old motherfuckers that created this genre of music that we love and hold so sacred just for the love of fucking music. The four of you get in a goddamn room and beat some tunes out and, and fucking, and right off into the sunset. That would be incredible. Uh, you know, but I, you know. I can get my hopes up, but it'd be nice. And let's not forget the idiot that produced it. Fuck Rick Rubin. 
fuck that guy. That guy's so fucking overrated. Yeah, he did a lot of good shit in the past, but now he just shows up, lays down, go ahead, play me what you guys got, and leaves. He's not a producer. And, and oh, yeah. And he, oh, look, I want you guys to recreate. So what, the, when you put on Black Sabbath 13, the first song, you're like, damn, this reminds me a lot about a lot of the song Black Sabbath. And then the next song comes on, it's like, damn, this reminds me a lot about the song Black Sabbath again. And that's what fucking Rick Rubin made him do. Recreate your old shit. No. What made Black Sabbath special was they took chances. They did different shit. And there was no song after the first Black Sabbath album that had a song that sounded like Black Sabbath. And this idiot, he did the same thing with Metallica. Where Metallica was, I mean, hey, look, man. Whoever thinks whatever the fuck about Death Magnetic, and if you like it, more power to you. To me, dude, it's too late. You cannot make Metallica a hungry thrash metal band when they're gazillionaires and and, 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 and Lars spends his time at art galleries. They don't have it anymore. My Apocalypse is a band trying to recreate their past, but to me it just sounds fake, forced, and there's no fire. There's no oomph. There's no damage ink, okay? So that's, I'm, that's just an example of Rick Rubin. Yeah, I love the self-titled Trouble album. I love what he did with Slayer in the 80s. You know, he did a lot of great shit. But I think, I think like uh, Metallica. Metallica is huge to this day because they're smart at business. But come on, can anybody, anybody out there, the biggest Metallica fans out there, I really don't think any of you will say their best albums load or reload or or Saint Anger or Death Magnetic. None of you can say that, but yet they can still fill arenas. They can still fill pack wherever the hell they play because they're living off their past. Like when they go up there and they play Fight Fire with Fire, Creeping Death, anything off those first three, four albums, that gets the best reaction of the night. That's their best music. And they live off that. Just like Rick Rubin lives off the incredible production he did back in the day. So uh, I think next next album should be with Bill Ward. And without Rick Rubin, enough of that guy, man. So overrated. And and, and pompous too, man. Right, Ian? Uh, Yeah, I agree. He's an absentee father. You know, he's a a name to put on the record that, that brings some attention. But I don't think he showed up, uh, you know, in a long time. I'd say probably since the early 90s. Like, the last good things he did was, you know, some of the, the early Danzig records and the early Slayer records. But both Danzig and Slayer, you know, uh, walked away from him because they're like, ah, he, yeah, he just signs his name to this shit, doesn't add anything. I'd rather see, uh, you know, Black Sabbath with Terry Date, you know, um, uh, or anybody who gives a fuck. Yeah, you know, somebody, the best. So, the, I think the best producer out there for Black Sabbath today would be me. Uh, yeah, or me. Uh, I think the both. I think we should co-produce the album. Yeah, we go in and say, "Hey, man, play your asses off, write some killer shit," and I don't want to hear nothing that sounds like the song Black Sabbath. Actually, I don't want to hear nothing that sounds like recreating any song. I want the Black Sabbath vibe, not the Black Sabbath songs. Don't do. Black Sabbath Part Five now, you know. Exactly, I agree. And, in, but, and go ahead. But uh, no, I was just gonna wrap it up. But that's where supposedly Sabbath 
stands right now. And, and you know, and let's all hope that Tony Iommi's health holds up and that there is another album. I hope there is. I that mean, to I, me I, is, of course, the most important thing. I'd rather yeah. Tony stay alive and just end it. Right, know? right. And, but but you know, if you're going to end it, god damn it, you got to have Bill Ward there. I mean, let, let, let let's do it justice. I will not uh, support it in any way without Bill Ward. Without know, Geezer, I, without Tony, without Ozzy. Right. It has to be all four. And, and I, I have no hope or I could give a shit less about the new Ozzy solo album because I'm sure that's going to be just as horrible as the last fucking uh, 30 years. I love Scream. I'm, I, I, I thought the last uh, Ozzy album was incredibly kick-ass. I really it. enjoyed it. I, I I wish I had a girlfriend that was easily impressed as you. Hey man, I didn't like Black Rain or Down the Earth or Osmosis. Okay, so I'm not that blind, you know. I'm, uh, I mean, I they all I, they all had a song or two I enjoyed, but Scream I, I thought like eighty percent of it was really good, and to me it was kind of like, wow. I believe me when I heard oh another Ozzy album. Who gives a hell? Who gives a fuck? This is gonna I, suck. I, I, I tell you, I tell you what. This this is what I'd like. If Ozzy's gonna finish his solo career, here's what I'd like. Jakey Lee. Hell yeah. Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge. Ooh, that would be sick. And for them to write an album together. No outside writers, no bullshit. I think that would be a great way to end it. Never going to fucking happen, but hey, I can jerk off to something. But there you go. There's news of the week. But and now I, I would just like to say one last thing before we go into the Born Again. And it's a great segue into Born Again. Uh, like I was saying, Bill Ward's drumming became safe on Heaven and Hell, but yet it worked. That's how badass he is. But he did go back to his incredibly unique style on this album we're about to review. I love his drumming on Born Again. It reminds me of the older Bill Ward, though some parts he is a little safe and it still works. But he does do some crazy drumming on this next album. Born Again, released in 1983. Fucking great album. It's very dark. It's it's totally like I don't know what they were thinking, man. They were like, man, uh, Ozzy's kicking our ass. Maybe we should do something a little commercial to keep up with Ozzy. No, they didn't think that. They said we're gonna make the heaviest fucking album ever, and they did. I feel Born Again is the heaviest Black Sabbath album ever. It is so dark, evil sounding. The production is shitty, but I love the production because it's shitty. It makes it dark. I think it's an incredible album from start to finish. Not a bad song on it. There's songs I like more than others. But I love the hell out of Born Again. What do you think, Ian? Uh, man, I love hate this fucking album. And I'm going to be all over the place in this review. You know, one minute you're going to think I love it. One minute you're going to think it's shit because I, I got mixed fucking emotions about this shit. Uh, there's shit I love. There's shit I fucking hate. Uh, but man, is it, it's an interesting album and it's so polarizing among Sabbath fans. I mean, th- there's nobody that when you bring up Born Again that knows it or is like, eh. You know, it's like either I love that fucking shit or I fucking hate that fucking album. And to me, that's a sign of a great album. You know, because I hate middle-of-the-road shit, man. If, if either people will fucking swear by it or fucking, you know, burn it on a cross, that's a sign of a good album. Uh, but let's go in, uh, I, I mean, rap, you know, you got a unique position here. Like, 
you know, you were a young fan at the time this came out. You were, you know, where I was much younger, discovered the album later. But uh, why don't you tell me about where you were at when this album came out? Okay, uh, I was, you know, to me this year and from 1980 up to 1983, really, to me was like the best uh, traditional metal years for me. Because after this is when things started to go a little more mellow, a little more different, a little more glossy. So up to 83, we had Bark at the Moon, Born Again, uh, Flick of the Switch. You know, it was still carrying the tradition of the album before, except Born Again was so different than everything that was out at the time. It was just, it just stuck out like a sore thumb. It's This album screams originality. It's just so much original ideas and unorthodox ideas weird ideas, almost like Voivod type shit in some of the songs. Uh, one thing I grossly, grossly have to go against the whoever thinks this, and this also goes out to Mr. Ian Dillon. I believe Tony Iommi said something about this. I have to disagree with these guys. I love this album cover. This album cover is so cool with the Devil Baby, which actually it came from um, a medical book. They showed up. Uh, there's an actual baby. That's a picture of a baby that they. Well, back then they didn't have Photoshop. Whatever they did back then, uh, they painted it in as a red devil baby. But there, that's an actual picture of a baby crying with its hands like that and everything in the picture. And they added claws to it. I love Born Again. Is like one of my favorite album covers of all time and it and it like really freaks me out to think that uh not only like the guys in the band but you know fans alike are like that's a stupid album cover it's man fuck you that's a great album cover what do you think of the album cover Ian? uh oh god what do i think of this album cover i think it is one of the greatest metal album covers of all fucking time uh it's what drew me to this i remember uh, you know, I got into Sabbath late. I mean, you know, my dad had Sabbath. I was raised on it. But when I got into Sabbath, so much shit had happened. I was getting bombarded by every lineup. Uh, you know, the Ozzy stuff was available. The Dio stuff was available. The Ge- uh, uh, Ian Gillen stuff was available. Tony Martin was available. But, man, I remember going into a record store that I used to go to every day after school. And I saw this on vinyl. And it just, you know... It, it, People who are who are younger than us that don't appreciate the vinyl era, it's like man to look at this in full art form on on a vinyl record, it just stuck out so awesome. And then you flip it around, and there's the fucking pentagram and the four of them and stuff, and it was just it looked so fucking metal. And I mean, I was just drawn to it right away just by the look of it. It was everything that was fucking metal. And, you know, Ian says he hates the fucking album cover. Apparently, Tony loved it. The funny thing is, is it was also the cover to a Depeche Mode single. You're right. I forgot about that. You are right. And, and, and it's original form. With the with the, it, with the medical book baby. Yes, That's right. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, believe it or not, I am also a huge, as much as I love metal, I love all kinds of music. I love Depeche Mode. I can't remember this single, but... Uh, it was, you know, just the regular picture, but the eyes were blacked out. But uh, to me, this just drew me to the album. I'm like, 
and it fit the title, Born Again. Here's a newborn satanic fucking baby with this satanic music. And yet again, this is another version of Black Sabbath, you know, Born Again. I thought everything was perfect about this. The title, the album cover. I mean, it's just, it was so fucking metal. And, and, and then here you have, you know, Sabbath's gone through a bunch of changes. But here they are with another legendary singer from the heavy metal genre. You know, I mean, the big three back then that created metal were Zeppelin, Sabbath, and Deep Purple. And then here you got, you know, the voice of Deep Purple was Sabbath. Oh, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely incredible album cover. And I want this on a fucking shirt, goddammit. You got the shirt. I need the shirt. Yeah. But, uh, but I this saw, is... I saw the tour, by the way, too. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that later, too. But, man, how awesome that had to be. Oh, but... Uh, Unbelievably good. Uh, I, I also want to add that, and I don't know if you know this. Do you know what Ozzy's, what Ozzy had to say about Born Again? Yes, I, I did hear that Ozzy said that it was the best thing they'd done since he left. Yep. Now, now I have mixed opinions on that. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a dig at Dio, and I think it's like, how do you downplay Ian Gillen? You, you know, it's 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 like it's a little bit of like, yeah, you can't slam fucking Ian Gillen because you guys came up together. You know, it's just, you know, uh, whether or not he really liked the album, I don't know. Ozzy loved Heaven and Hell. Well, no, he says that, but I, I'm saying honest opinion, honest opinion, because of course it's going to be like, like, oh, that's a real nice guy fucking my ex-wife. You know, it's like I'm sure there's a little bit of trepidation there, but it, again, it's a dig at fucking Dio. You know, which is the, you know, we all know he hated fucking Dio. And he was jealous of fucking Dio. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be, let's be fucking honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. As you all know, uh, he was he hung a midget every night and he, they called the midget Ronnie. Yeah, I, so I, I think, it, you know, it's, it, it's a mix. Thing. He was successful enough to where he could give him a compliment and not have to worry about it. And again, it was a dig at Dio. Um... Well, but, let's let's be fair. I mean, this was uh, there was a lot of bad blood at the time, and Ozzy did change his tune about Ronnie. Uh, even was disgusted with the Westboro Baptist Church with picketing his funeral. I mean, he you know he did say a lot of nice things about Ronnie later on. Yeah, but it was it was fucking politically correct. Yeah. It was politically correct. I don't believe that for a fucking minute that you know he thought any. I think he. I don't know. No, come I, on. Ozzy's not that cold. I'm sure he felt bad that Dio died. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's always going to be like, you know, that's your ex-wife's husband. You, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, and plus, you know, we can't disagree. I mean, fucking that singer coming in, replacing you. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's that's some hard, even though I prefer Ozzy Sabbath. But uh, I don't think he was any fucking Dio fan by any means. You know, I, I believe that shit about as much as I believe King of Rock and Roll was written about Ozzy. I think that's Dio fucking lying. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, please, he's gonna he's gonna sing a song about the praises of Ozzy when he wouldn't open up on the No More Tears tour. What? Those two fucking hated each other. Neither one respected each other. I think Ozzy was a little bit more intimidated by Dio. Did, did was there? Did you heard somewhere that King of Rock and Roll was about Ozzy? 
Oh yeah, no, no. Dio said that in interviews. Really? But, yeah, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He goes, he goes, no, I wrote that about Ozzy because Ozzy was at the top of his game and he was like the lead man in fucking metal at the time. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the you first hate- I've heard this. Oh no, no, he said that in a couple interviews. I'm like, you're fucking nuts. There's no way that was written about. And he said this, you know, years later. But I'm like, there ain't no fucking way you hated Ozzy. He didn't respect Ozzy. Wow. You know, to, you, you know, you know, let's be honest. He thought he thought Ozzy was a hack. And and if you're fucking, you know, Ronnie James Dio, yeah, you can judge everybody else because nobody fucking can sound as good as you. So it's all fucking lip service. But anyway, we're talking about Born Again. Yeah, and I also <laughs> want to say one little more tidbit about Born Again. Ian, Ian Gillen, like our own co-host Ian Gillen, Ian Hello. Wadley, uh, they both got they both got drunk. Oh, drunk as shit! And 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 Ian Gillen is one of I, I'm named after four Ians. Oh yeah, really? Yes, yes. Uh, and this is this is from my father, Ian Gillen. Wow. Ian, Ian Pace from Deep Purple, two wow. guys from Deep Purple. Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull and Ian Fleming who wrote James Bond. So those are the Ians I'm named after, and I love all of them. That's awesome, man. That, that, I, that's pretty cool, I, your dad. Yeah, and I'm such a Taurus, I, I kind of think they're all named after me. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I'm amazed he didn't throw in Ian Hill in that in that little bunch. I don't, Well, he, he didn't know Priest like I did. Oh, Even okay, though there you go. my dad did love fucking, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe it. Sad Wings of Destiny. No, 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 no. British Steel. My dad was cool, but he wasn't that cool. No, uh, another thing coming. My dad loved oh, okay. Got right, another cool. thing coming. Cool. Which I just saw Priest, but maybe I'll leave that for the end of the show. Remind me. I saw sure. Priest uh, two nights ago. Blew my mind. But let's get into the album, all right? So uh, what I was go. saying, Ian Gillen got drunk with Tony and Geezer one night, and then the next morning his manager called up and said, you're in Black Sabbath. You agreed to join Black Sabbath. And he don't remember join like agreeing to that, but that's how he joined Black Sabbath by getting drunk and agreeing to do it. So we're gonna start with the title track, which I saw the tour and I was flabbergasted that this song was not played live ever. As I found out much later, they've never played Trashed live ever, which is mind blowing to me because. Number one is the lead-off single, the video, and probably the best song, or close to the best song on the album, in my opinion. Great song. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to, before I, I, I listen to your opinion, Ian, I'm going to give you a little backstory on this song. Ian, uh, Ian Gillen used to sleep in a tent outside of the studio where they were recording the album. And one day he got... I, I may have the, the the story a little confused, but what I understand was he crashed his goat cart into Bill Ward's car and totally fucked up Bill Ward's car while he was drunk. And that's where he got the inspiration to write these lyrics. Now, later on, I'm not sure if it was Tony, Geezer, or Bill, blew up his tent and sank his boat that was docked in back of this place where they were recording the studio. And uh, he wrote the lyrics to Trash because of those crazy nights. And oh, and may I add, I love this song. It was actually recorded again on Ian Gillen's solo album called Gillen's In with Tony Omi again. Uh, I love the hell out of this song. Probably my tied for my favorite song on the album. 
Love the lyrics. And, you know, in the Black Sabbath Doom Let Loose uh, uh, book, uh, they claim it's the worst lyrics ever written by a Black Sabbath song. And I was like, man, have you guys listened to Forbidden? This is a great, great... I love the fucking lyrics. <laughs> I love the lyrics to uh, Born Again. As we got trash, we were laughing still. Well, bless my soul. I mean, you know, there was no tequila. We said he done to whiskey just to steady our brains, but there was no tequila. I love that shit. It's just awesome, awesome lyrics, fun, heavy as fuck, insane guitar solo. I love trash, man. What do you think, Ian? All right, well, first off, I heard a little bit different story than you did about uh, the lyrics. I heard he stole Bill Ward's car. And uh, and actually drove it into the fucking lake where they were recording. I believe it was at like Richard Branson's mansion, uh, is where they recorded this. Uh, but but anyway, it's a great fucking riff, great fucking riff. But to me, is ruined by fucking Jeff Nichols keyboards. And the drums are fantastic, but are so buried in the mix. I I think. Gillen's voice sounds awesome and everybody else sounds like they were recorded on a Mr. Microphone. I mean, it just sounds so fucking... I love Bill Ward's drums, but it's so buried in the mix and so terrible it doesn't stand out. But I, I you know, I, I do love this song. I have no problem with the lyrics. Like I said, great riff, but man, does it sound like fucking shit to me. Even though I love it, it sounds like... This is... This is the worst produced album I think I've heard uh, till Saint Anger came out. Then I was like, okay, now now something sounds worse than fucking Born Again. Uh, but the song itself, I think, is great. I think the plane is great, but goddamn, does it sound like shit? Then we go into track number two, Stonehenge. Fucking pointless. Pointless. Why is this even a separate track? It's not even worthy enough. It's like, just say, hey, this is the beginning of the song. Uh, man, th- this era, I mean, it used to be like a like a Tony Iommi instrumental meant something. It was like fucking, you know, uh, uh, goddamn uh, Laguna Beach or whatever the fuck on, on volume four or fluff. You know, it's like it was something It added something. This is just some goddamn fucking nonsense that adds nothing, doesn't even deserve a fucking title. Just tack it onto the fucking song and quit pretending. You know, it should have been like six songs on this fucking album. But uh, what do you think about uh, Stonehenge? Well, actually, I don't think about it because I do agree that it is pointless, but I do love it. And But I would love it if it was just called Stonehenge slash... Disturbing the priest, you know, because it is the same damn song. It's both. It's just like a. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a song that has like a a weird beginning, like "Out of Love Again." I know it's not the best example, but Van Halen's "Out of Love Again" starts with that. Then it goes into the song. You know, it, it's not Rather, like. You know, they could have called it "Into Love." Yeah. yeah, something like that. In, in going out, but. Uh, that's how I view Stonehenge. I see. I view Stonehenge as a really cool, creepy beginning to what I feel is the best, goddamn craziest song on the album. Which, to me, 
captures the sickest screams ever, ever caught on tape. You know, uh, second second best scream would be Corpse Without a Soul by King Diamond on the first Merciful Fate EP. But at the end, when he goes, Satan has taken its toll, when he hits that high-ass note, I mean, that's the only thing that's a contender to the insane singing to the next track, Disturbing the Priest, which is my favorite song off the album, with Trash. I love the hell of the song, and yes, they played it live. I was very happy about that. Uh, song is about, um, they were, you know, rehearsing next to a church, and the priest over there was trying to, like, you know, have choir practice, but they were getting, uh, How can I fuck a little boy in the ass with all this goddamn noise? <laughs> I think that's what really happened. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, so, um... Sorry, all you Catholics. Well, I have to edit that. No. Just to let you guys know, (laughs) I will not edit what I'm about to say. On the prior episode, or a couple episodes ago, Motorboat, Ian said such disturbing things while being drunk that he listened to it, and then he called me back, and he said, you got to edit that, dude. (laughs) So I don't know, you know. I mean, Ian is very tipsy when he does this episode, so I don't know when he hears this back, he's not going to want this out, or he's going to want it out. I did say something on the motorboat cruise that that I that I wanted to recanter. Yeah, because, I, I edited it out because it was just being silly drunk, and it wasn't anything. Uh, I didn't mean any harm to a certain group of people. But well, you don't have to, to. You don't have to go into what you said. You know? No, no, and I won't. But when it comes to fucking little pedophilic Catholic priests, let it go. Come on, maybe, it, maybe this guy wasn't one. Maybe he, you know, he maybe he hey, wasn't. Hey, hey, I'm sure there's Mormons who fuck little kids too. You, you know, so I don't want to just point it out on the Catholics, you know. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Priests are pedophiles. Just put that, <laughs> just put that out there. Come on now, man. We're, no, we're... No, okay. They got to turn it Not down all. so Father Mc Father McFeely doesn't get fucking disturbed. I want to disturb that priest that's fucking little kid. But let's go back into the song, because this is a great fucking song. Yeah, it is a great song. And as I said, you know, this priest that probably doesn't molest kids was trying to have a choir practice, and uh, the band Black Sabbath was playing, and, you know, they're a loud band, and uh, they were disturbing. (laughs) They were disturbing the priest. So the priest went over there and said to them, hey, guys, you know, I'm trying to have practice here is it okay if you guys turn down and then Ian Gillen said tell you what guy when do you have practice tell us when you have practice then when you do have practice we won't practice to drown you guys out and I think the priest said well on Tuesdays and Thursdays okay Tuesdays and Thursdays we're not going to practice just for you and then Ian Gillen said that later on him and that priest went to a bar and got drunk so there you go Uh, great great song they did play it live I was very happy about that and uh, something I also want to bring up about Stonehenge, um, the intro, uh, was uh, Spinal Tap. Um, a lot of people may know this, may not know. Spinal Tap had a scene with Stonehenge, which they got from a story that happened with Black Sabbath. What happened with Black Sabbath was the exact opposite. Stonehenge was built too big. Uh, Black Sabbath uh, asked for a model of Stonehenge and they put meters instead of inches or something like that and they ended up 
doing like a, 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 a life-size um, Stonehenge, which they couldn't fit into most venues where they were playing. Or Spinal Tap was the other way around. They made it too small. Uh, I just want to bring that up about Stonehenge. And uh, yeah, Disturbing the Priest, my favorite track along with Trash. What do you think of uh, Disturbing the Priest there, Ian? Uh, well, I think what the priest was mad about is he couldn't hear like the little altar boy screaming over Ian Gillum. Hey, hey, uh, hey! It, maybe it, maybe that was an altar boy and it wasn't Ian Gillum doing those sick ass screams. Oh God, I, I, I shudder to think. But uh, you know, for years, this was my second favorite song on the album. But. As I do with every review, man, I'll, you know, if I know we're going to do something, I always ask Ralph right away. I'm like, give me time because I want to let this shit soak in and I listen to it over and over again. In hindsight, now this is my favorite song on the album. I fucking love Disturbing the Priest. And what sucks is coming after a song that is perfect as this, you get to hear the dark, which, uh, the dark, you know, I, I write notes for every album, uh, you know, and usually it's best when it's short and to the point. And I have a two-word review for the dark. It's called Whales Fucking, because that's what this shit sounds like. You, you ever seen uh, Star Trek fucking four, The Voyage Home? This is the Whales Fucking in San Francisco Bay. This is fucking horrible. It's like... Like, really? This even deserves a title? Like, this is way too much Jeff Nichols. And from this point on, in my opinion, Jeff Nichols had way too much fucking input in Sabbath. Up until Forbidden. What do you think of the dark, Ralph? Well, I love the dark, but I also love whale oh porn. Yes, well, well, who doesn't? You know, doesn't? I, I, hey. I, my fixation with whale porn really makes me love the dark. The Dark, again, like Stonehenge, it's the same shit. It's like, why are you going to name this a song where it's actually Zero the Hero? And I think it's a great intro to Zero the Hero because it's dark. It's weird sounding, just like Zero the Hero is. And the weird lyrics and it's just, you know, the originality of it. I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. The Dark, you know, another thing about The Dark and, um... Stonehenge and going back to the prior album E5150 yeah, it's like too. all these instrumentals are really geezer you know I mean that's the main instrument with keyboards but it's all geezer doing the solos where back in the day it was always Iomi doing instrumentals so it's weird and, and it, I don't know if any of you know this but I mean you might as well you might if you're a Sabbath freak like me uh, Iomi never did another instrumental till Eternal Idol. The Scarlet Pumpernickel or whatever it was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't say it either, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, that, but, you know, and it's you know what I mean, though? If you really want to make it metal, a better metal term would have been me fucking your mom, because that's a more metal term for two whales fucking. Oh, <laughs> try the veal. Yeah. Again, we're getting off course here. Let's go. Uh, the next track is Zero the Hero, which uh, a lot of people uh, know this and some people don't. Uh, Guns N' Roses totally ripped off this fucking riff for Paradise City. Dan and an and and an and 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 it's just sped up. 
But, uh, oh my God, another one of my favorite songs on this album. And for some reason, I really love the line, uh, they sit by the river eating raw liver. Uh, It's just so, what the fuck? You know, it's a what the fuck line, (laughs) you know, but it's just so out there. It's like, great. And something I did not discuss before was Trash had a video. And then Zero the Hero had a video that was pretty much part two of Trash. You, did you ever see the links of both those videos? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, amazing. It's, I love them. It's I hilarious. Them. It's like Trash is about a guy that's running away from people. And then at the very end of Trash, they catch him. Then in Zero the Hero, you see what they did to him. They turned him into like they lobotomized him. And there was a guy that disfigured and Adolf Hitler was there. And they fed him ketchup. (laughs) How awesome is that, man? What kind of drugs was that director on, you know? Well, he was trash too, man. I mean, that video is so bizarre. So out there, I highly recommend If you're going to watch that video, please watch Trash first. Then watch Zero the Hero. But before that, watch Duran Duran Rio. Because they all go together. Do they? Okay, I got to watch that too. And uh, Karma Camellia Culture Club. It's fucking awesome. What do you think of Zero the Hero? Uh, I love it. I love Zero the Hero. Uh, great, like, just got, like, that creepy, crawling fucking riff to it. Uh, it's all, And it's funny because I hate Paradise City with a fucking passion. I, I, I love Appetite for Destruction, but I hate Paradise City. Always have, always will. The riff works way better here. Uh, it, it's it's another one of those like okay, well this this sounds like Black Sabbath to me, and uh, lyrics work great. The fucking riff is great. I love it. I love it. But then it goes into Digital Bitch. Oh my god, Digital Bitch. To me. Uh, a solid rocker, but an absolutely horrible chorus. The cor- when it gets to the chorus, I was like, "Oh my god, this it just fucking kills it for me!" Like, you know, it chugs along like, "Yeah, the keep away from the bitch, keep away from she's so rich, the digital bitch." You know, it's just like, man, you fucking lost me there. Fucking terrible. But other than that, it's a good song, but. The chorus kills Digital Bitch for me, but, you know, it's a fuck you to Sharon, so that I kind of like. I don't know. What do you think of Digital Bitch, Ralph? Uh, you know, when I first bought the album, it was my favorite track until till I, I grew up a wow. little bit. I grew up a little bit. But I, I, no, no, but I still love it. I love it to death. It's just not as good as Zero and uh, and uh, the Side One, period. All right. One thing, I, I hate to cut you off right here, uh, but I, I got to mention this. Uh, before I got this album, I bought a, uh, a, a Sabbath compilation, and the only track from this album was Digital Bitch. And I was like, wow, that album must suck, because <laughs> this, yeah. this song is fucking terrible. I believe that was Sabbath Stones. I could be wrong. Prob- pr- that sounds familiar. I was so young when I got it, but yeah, but, but yeah I, I actually, even though I love the cover... It, it put me off getting this a little bit because of that. I was like, ugh. I love Digital Bitch. I love the chorus, man. I, 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 have, no, I have no problem with this song at all. 
I love everything about it. But then again, I like cheese, yo. It's a fucking great song. Digital Bitch rocks. Great song. Then we go into the title track. Born Again, the title track, which in my opinion, it's the standout vocal track on the album. Bluesy, kind of, again, like a kind of a weird, you know, you hear so far, everything's so heavy, and this one's kind of mellow, until like the chorus comes in and it's just insane, screaming, and those powerful Iomi riffs together, and just those notes that Ian hits are just unbelievable, and thank God that Ian Gillen did this album when he did, because soon after this album, he couldn't hit those notes anymore. He did on Perfect Strangers a little bit. I saw the tour of Perfect Strangers. He did uh, Child in Time, but he didn't do those final yells. And then after that, by House of Blue Light, uh, Ian was struggling, and now to the point where he can't hit those notes anymore. But I think this is Ian at his peak with his high, crazy screams. I love the hell out of Born Again. It's uh, not one of my favorites on here, but it is an amazing track. And a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it a 10. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I sure as fuck ain't going to give it a 10. Uh, It's not horrible, but to me it's kind of like... Like music-wise, it's almost like kind of like a rewrite of fucking Black Sabbath. And uh, vocal-wise, like trying to redo children, uh, Child in Time. And it's not as good as either one of those. But it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like this is a meeting like, hey, Tony's bringing his Black Sabbath and Ian's bringing his fucking Child in Time. And uh, it's just, it, it's subpar compared to both. I mean, now granted, those are two like high standards that probably nobody's going to meet. But, uh, I don't, I don't know, like, if, if I've if I got this on my iPod or my phone and I'm listening, this is the one, you know, besides fucking the horrible digital bitch, I'm going to skip. You know, I'll listen to it every once in a while, but, you know, if I'm just like, ah, I need my born again fix, I'm not going to listen to this fucking song. It's, it's, it's a little bit boring to me. But that leads into Hotline, which makes me think, Hey, maybe Born Again's a great song. Because Hotline does nothing for me. Uh, nothing. It, to me, it's like uh, Backstreet Kids Part 2. A generic, generic rocker. Uh, man, like, man, they, 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 this is one they could have left off the fucking album. Really doesn't do a lot for me. But I got a funny feeling... Ralph probably likes this. So what do you think of Hotline? I adore this song, okay? I knew it. I knew it. When they played live, this was the song they played right after the first track, Children of the Grave. They went into Hotline. I love that Brink, take me to the river, drink my wine. At the end when he does, oh my God, this song rocks, man. But then again, I like Vagina. Let me tell you something. Hotline, bro, is fucking kick-ass. I don't know what the hell Ian's on. Uh, You need to sober up, buddy, and crank this fucker up because this is a killer, killer fucking track. Hotline rules, you fool. Then we go into the last track, which is Bill Ward's favorite song off the album, Keep It Warm. Now, uh, this... You know, I got a lot of shit when I did my review on this. 
because I said it was my least favorite song on the album, though I still love the song, but people gave me a shit going, keep it warm rules, keep it warm rules. Yeah, it does rule. I just think the other songs rule more, okay? So I know a lot of people like Ian will be like, what? Hotline is better It's better than keep it warm. Are you nuts? Yeah, I am nuts. Now look at these nuts. And uh, I, like, I, like, I just like every song more, but I love Keep It Warm. I think it's a great fucking song. Um, that's all I got to say about Keep It Warm. I mean, like I said, it's my least favorite, but I love it. Ian? Okay. Well, like I was saying, uh, after listening to this album a lot over the last week, I changed my opinion and made uh, Disturbing the Priest my favorite song. But before that, it was always keep it warm, for Christ's sake. I love keep it warm. Great even, song. E- even people I know, my best friend, my best friend in the world, uh, he has a hard time accepting any Sabbath other than Ozzy Sabbath. He's, he's one of the purists. Uh, and he loved keep it warm. I love keep it warm. I think it, it is a perfect meld of uh, Sabbath and purple at the same time. Uh, I, I, I think this song could, could fit either band perfectly. I love Keep It Warm. Rut! Whatever the fuck that means. But I mean, it's fucking... I love, love, love this fucking song. And, uh... I guess I'm a little surprised that Disturbing the Priest won out, though, lately. But you know, I got to give the nod to that. But if it wasn't for that, this would be my per- perfect, you know, favorite song on the album. Totally underrated. It just got a great groove to it, and it fits both Ian Gillen and Tony Iommi and Geezer and Bill at the same time. Incredible, incredible song. Why this is your least favorite, I have no idea. I would have thought. I would have thought it was the dark. Or fucking Stonehenge. No, I don't count those as songs. The yeah, because dark... you shouldn't, because they're not. Oh, well, okay, okay. If we're going to count those as songs, yes, both of them are tied for my least favorite. But The Dark is really called Zero the Hero, and Stonehenge is really called Disturbing the Priest in my planet. All right, well, on planet, Ralph, this should be your number one moon, because I love this goddamn song. Uh, yeah, but, a, but we're not great... done. We're not done. Why don't you talk about the unreleased track? All right. Well, then we will talk about The Falling, which, uh, wow, what an amazing song. I really, I really, really dig The Falling. And I, for, for years, I was like, why wasn't this on the album? Like, man, you could have took off fucking Hotline or fucking Digital Bitch and put this song on the fucking album. And then I found out why it wasn't on the album. Because they were sued by Led Zeppelin because it's a fucking rip from Celebration Day, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I, 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 I love this song. I love this song. Don't give me, you know, don't give me. But it does. It doesn't fit on the album because it doesn't sound like anything else. And it totally rips off Celebration Day. At least the, you know. Yeah, that one uh, riff. It's just one riff. Right, but it, it is a good song, but I do understand. It, as good as it is, and I like it better than other songs that were left on the album, the other songs that I don't like as much fit better on the album. So I get that. But uh, 
I, I dig the following. I think it's a great song, and I'm glad that it's on, you know, the reissues that you get now, or, you know, if you got, like, you know, me and Ralph are hardcore, we found fucking bootlegs, you know, that had demos, and I'd like to say the demos that I heard on this album, I think, are better than the final product, I horrible production, uh, but the demos, you see the greatness in these songs, I think all the songs on this album are great songs, I just have a shit ton of issues with the drum sound and the guitar sound on this album. I think the vocals are amazing. Amazing. Ian sounds awesome on this. But uh, Tony and fucking Bill, I think, are the ones who suffer way more from this bad production because Bill does some incredible drumming that is so buried in the mix. You know, you think it's a dude from fucking Toto drumming. It's, it's, it's terrible. And... Uh, and Jeff Picardo's a great drummer, you know. But uh man, I I want him I wanted to hear Bill Ward way more on this album. But there's also one more. Uh well I'm sorry. Before that, let's get your opinion on the falling. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I love it. I never really got the connection to Celebration Day now that you bring it up, you're right. And and the first time I did hear the Fallen, I was amazed by like, what the hell? Is that Tony Iommi? Because it's just that that celebration day riff. It's just so not like Iomi. And even the that kind of like riffage that goes on during the singing is very un Iomi like, but it's heavy and it's awesome. And and the crazy drumming that reminds me of early Bill Ward. Uh, it's a standout track, man. I would say, Ian, it is better than Digital Bitch. Yes, I would agree. I agree. I, it's better than Digital Bitch. I would say it's par with Hotline. Uh, better than Keep It Warm. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. And uh, it would have been one of my favorite tracks. But, yeah, I also agree with you. It just doesn't fit. Uh, I love it. I love um, The Fallen. I just want to, you know, uh, cap off uh, The Born Again to say that Bill Ward, once again, like Heaven and Hell, except on the Heaven and Hell album, he did do some tour dates, where I don't think he toured at all for Born Again. That no. by, the, by the, when I saw Born Again, it was with Bev Bevan from ELO. Is it Bevan or Bevan? Bevan, whatever. Not the greatest fit. I'll be honest with you. He did great. Don't get me wrong. He did great live with Black Sabbath. He held his own. He didn't ruin none of the songs, but he did do a drum solo. And. To me, drum solos, you better be fucking badass for me to be entertained. And uh, he wasn't that badass. He's a good drummer, but he couldn't carry a drum solo to interest me. But I watched it all. I didn't leave my fucking seat. I also want to add that they threw out Super Null when I saw them live. Mind-blowing, because it's like up there, one of, one of my favorite Sabbath songs. But unfortunately, they played Rock and Roll Doctor, which I was like, Why? Uh, they did play that one. I was like, really? Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I can't stand Rock and Roll Doctor. But I do think Rock and Roll Doctor kind of suits Gillen well. I, I think that's that's one he can sing and kind of... I don't know. I think it fit Gillen. Yeah, and, well... And I don't mean that as a slam, but... It might fit Gillen, but it just didn't fit the set list because that set list was dark. Right. You know, you had your... 
War Pigs, which, by the way, War Pigs, I will forever have etched in my mind watching Ian Gillen playing the bongos during War Pigs with his hair. He had really long hair at the time. Hair totally covering his face, playing the bongos and singing the song, then going back playing the bongos during the solo. That shit was awesome, man. Awesome seeing Gillen like with bongos. I mean, I know it sounds weird, but it was fucking badass, man. Bongos and War Pigs. It, it just, to me, it fit, you know. And he played bongos on a couple other songs, but it was the War Pigs one that really stuck out. Uh, what else did they play that night? They played uh, War Pigs, Iron Man, Paranoid, Heaven and Hell, uh, Children of the Sea. I think I could be wrong. How was how was the Dio stuff with with him singing? It was not as good as Dio, but it was all right. You know, yeah. it was uh, cool. Let, let, let me ask you this too, not to catch you off, but um, I don't have it in front of me. You have the Born Again remastered edition, right? Yes, I do. Okay, do you have it in front of you? I, yeah, I do. Okay, okay. Well, what what's the instrumental that they show that they play in full on the remaster? It is Stonehenge. Oh, okay, Stonehenge. I I just want to say this for the record. Um, when I was listening to the album, you know, you know, just for a fair review, I was like, you know what, fuck, I'm listening to every track. And uh, when I heard Stonehenge unedited, it's like four, almost five minutes. I thought it was way, way better than the, than the little clip they played. I thought it like like if this was like you know a soundtrack to a horror movie, I thought it it was way better, sounded more complete than what you hear before disturbing the priest. I, I actually enjoyed it. And it, the only reason I listened to it is because I wanted to slam it. Like the same way I slam, you know, the regular Stonehenge intro. But I actually really enjoyed it. What do you think of, like, the full version of Stonehenge? You know what, Ian? I don't remember. I don't. I mean, I bought this. I love this. But, right. um, but I'm sure I heard it. But I can't recall what right. it was like. So, no, that, that that's an honest review though. But I was listening, you know, because uh, I got, I got the, uh, you know, the remaster edition too. And what I was surprised to go back and listen to was to hear uh, Gillen do, you know, the Sabbath standards like War Pigs, you know, on Black Sabbath. And like I was so ready to hate on it, but I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. The live the live tracks from Ready Now was like. I'm like, damn, he sounds good on that. Now, I've heard all these stories about, like, you know, him looking down at the stage the whole time because he's reading the lyrics because he didn't know any of this shit. Uh, you know, but I thought he sounded really good. But I, I would like to hear from you, who was a, a, a fan who lived through it. You know, I, I came into this later, but you were already a great fan and saw this tour how weird was it for you to go see Black Sabbath with him singing? And it was was it like was Sabbath a joke at that point by changing singers again, or was it like were people totally excited because this is a guy from Deep Purple? What was it like back then for you know for a fan at that point in time to see that lineup? Well, you got to remember, like being the pre-internet days, I only can go by my friends what they thought about it, and they were all there. So as I recall, no, there I I got this album to me didn't get no backlash from my friends, but I know it did from a lot of other people. 
ever since I came into the interwebs, a lot of people hate it. And, and a lot of people that were around back then hated it. Um, but uh, everybody I knew loved Born Again. And we all went. I remember we all went together to that show. It was like fucking 20 of us. We all loved it. Opening act, Night Ranger, believe it or not. Nice. But, but I mean, what I'm getting at, though, is like, okay, you're a Sabbath fan at that time. Okay, you're already dealing with, like, Ozzy's gone. Then Dio's there. And, like, oh, it's a it's a big resurgence. And then next thing you... I mean, because what people need to realize nowadays is, like, nowadays, people take, like, fucking ten years in between the albums. This is a time when fans are still putting out an album year after year. So in a small period of time, you go from Ozzy singing to Dio to all of a sudden Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. But then again... He had been out of Deep Purple since 1974. So, I mean, was, was it a sense of, uh, you know, like, wow, they're really digging deep? Or, or was it like, this is just another cool Black Sabbath? Album? Yeah, that's how I looked at it. And also, it was an added bonus for me because I Deep Purple was one of the first bands I was into when I was a little kid. I loved Ian Gillen. So, it was like, wow, I get to see Ian Gillen with my favorite band of all time, you know, uh, with Black Sabbath. I mean, that to me was like, I don't know, two for one, special, you know. I was very excited to see it. Yes, I was sad to see Dio go. I was also sad, even more sadder with Ozzy. That that crushed me because I never got to see the original Sabbath back in the 70s. But Gillen, I mean, it didn't hurt. But I'll tell you this, it was when Gillen left, that's when I really got upset. I mean... I don't know why, but I got ups- more upset with D- with Gillen leaving than with Dio and Ozzy. Because to me, I wanted another album with Ian Gillen. Because I felt like Born Again was so dark and crazy. I wanted another album like that. And it never right. happened, and it really depressed me. Or at least, you know, I got two song- two albums out of the Dio era. Then, you know, then we had Holy Diver, and I was like, fine, you can be out of Sabbath. You're doing great. Right. And the same thing with Ozzy, you know, but... Ian Gillen, it was like, I know, I don't know none of his solo stuff. I really don't. But, um, I, my pick of the week is an Ian Gillen solo album, but we'll get into that later. So I but, will, but, uh, but, but how, how was the, how was the turnout for that show? Was it, it was, was a, packed, but really? it, it was at the Sunrise Musical Theater, which is not like a huge arena. It's kind of like mid-size. Uh, that's where actually where I saw Blizzard of Oz with Randy Rhodes. I saw that show at that venue. I saw Screamer for Vengeance tour there. No, believe it or not, Born Again did good. I think it even went gold. It might have. I don't know. Did well, it? well, no. Be, uh, it I believe it was their highest charting uh, in the states. I believe it was their highest charting since uh, Seventh Bloody Sabbath. Wow. As far as on the chart, but it, it's one of those things like first week out the gate, it did great. But then it went, eh. But, right. uh, you know, I've always heard the stories about that tour, you know, and like uh, Quiet Riot was opened up for him on that tour when Quiet Riot was fucking the rage, you know. Right. Uh, but but it just to me, it seems like a really, you know, confusing area. You know, it's funny because my first, the first like new purchase I ever got as a Black Sabbath fan because of my age was Seven Star. And I bought Seven Star at a fucking gas station. Remember, you used to go to a gas station, and there'd be like the cassette rack. Yeah, at a gas, yeah. At a gas station, and they'd have the hole punch through that shit. Yeah. Well, even I the plastic. Seven, 
Yeah, I bought Seven Star with the hole punched through that shit, you know. <laughs> so when I first came into Sabbath, they were like very like compared to what was going on, they were at the lowest of the low. But I was like, hey, my dad's got you know that Volume Four record that I like. You know, I heard Ozzy used to be in this band. You know, so I, I, I was just curious to like what it was like to be a Sabbath fan in 83 with Ian Gillen because it just it's such a weird era it was a lot of young people my age I remember being at that show we all dug it I mean I mean here in South Florida I mean like I said it wasn't an arena but the place was packed Uh, I was like pretty close to the stage not I'd say maybe like 10th row dead center I remember the balconies were full I do remember uh, that that night vividly I still have the tour book and nice. um, and um, they were amazing. It was an amazing show. And yes, I mean after that, Seven Stars when they took a huge, huge dip in popularity, where they were set to play uh, down here in Miami at the Guzman Center, which is roughly the same size as the Sunrise Musical Theater where I saw Born Again with Wasp, and it canceled. And because wow. uh, they didn't sell enough tickets, so yeah, that was a. Uh, hurting tour and which is sad because I wish I could have seen him at least once with Ray Gillen who ended up uh, taking over from Glenn Hughes who I think only did a show or two uh, uh, yeah I think he did like four shows and that was it yeah and then Ray Gillen took over and Ray Gillen yeah, which I also have the deluxe version of Seven Star which by the way I love Seven Star I think that's a great album no uh, I, I, I like it too but you know, from Seven Star on, let's call it what it is. It's Tony Iommi. That, so, th- to me, Born Again is the last Black Sabbath album till Dehumanizer. I would have to agree with you. I mean, to me, really, Black Sabbath is the original four. But, you know, I mean, all right, you know, I'll, I'll go along and say, okay, all these other albums are Sabbath too. But to me, it's not like true Sabbath, you know? No, no, I agree. But it's not like, okay, it's not as horrible as like, Van Halen and Van Hagar. Yeah, it, I agree. At, at least it's still heavy metal. I love and every it, Sabbath album. I mean, Forbidden would be my least favorite, and even that has some shiny moments on it. I, I love Get a Grip. I love that fucking song. Now, now, have you heard of the conspiracy theories about the produ- production of this album? Actually, I I have, and now I can't remember. It had something to do with Don Arden, correct? Well, I... The conspiracy theories I heard had to do with Geezer. Uh, that Geezer came into the studio and, like, fucked it up because uh, he was upset about it being called a Black Sabbath album. And he's gone back and forth in different interviews saying, like, it was supposed to be called, you know, a new band. You know, after Dio left, and when Geezer, it wasn't supposed to be called Black Sabbath. It was supposed to be something else. And he was mad about it being called Black Sabbath. And he came in the studio and did some shit, you know. But you, you can't prove any of it. But, uh, I don't know. Somebody dropped the fucking ball on this. But, you know, for, for a recording artist like Black Sabbath, you know, for production is horrible. Somebody really dropped the fucking ball. Yeah, I but, agree. But, but whether it's sabotage or not, you know, you hear all the... the the sabotage shit about Live Evil too, but to me, Live Evil sounds great. So, yeah, but it is a little murky. But I, I have no problem with it. I'm just saying, 
it is murky. It's a murky live album. And I right. think I think the audience is way too low in the mix on a Live Evil. You can hardly hear them. You know? Well, that's because there was five people there. But... <laughs> I saw the Mob Rules tour, too, by the way, which was at the Hollywood Sportatorium, a full arena, and the place was packed. And I remember, you know, you want to hear something funny? When I was at the Born Again, I mean, the Mob Rules show, there was a guy, I, I was, I kind of had nosebleeds. And back in the day, in the early 80s, we used to take binoculars to shows. Fucking crazy. And I took a pair of binoculars to see Black Sabbath close because I, I had nosebleeds. And this guy said to me, and he begged me, he said, please, can I please use your binoculars for Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. It's like, I don't care. I ain't Ozzy singing it. Buy me a beer. Yeah, right? I was underage, but still. Um, yeah, uh, with Dio, yeah, it was kind of odd, man, like I said. But uh, to go from Dio to Gillen, and, you know, it's also like you're getting another singer that sang with Richie Blackmore, and then Gillen leaves, and you get another singer that sang with Richie Blackmore. It was weird, right. man. It was like three singers that sang. I was like, Who's next, David Coverdale? But, um, or JoLynn Turner? <laughs> well, I heard they tried to get David Coverdale, and he turned him down. That would have been hilarious. JoLynn Turner, and then they would have got uh, Grand Bonnet after that. Then, oh, fuck Grand Bonnet. And then Doogie. I love Grand Bonnet. Um, All right. Well, why don't you tell us about our, uh, our, our fan of the week? Oh, my fan of the week, uh, he's from Italy. His name is Marco Maresca. I hope I'm uh, pronouncing your name right. Marco Maresca refers to me as God. He thinks I am God. He keeps calling me God. But oddly enough, he calls me God, but he never agrees with me on, on my reviews. It's like, dude, you think I'm God, but you, you like like songs I hate and, and hate songs I love, you know? Well, the, a, the, the funny thing is God in Italian is dad. I think you fucked his mom while you were on tour. Actually... Actually, funny thing is, he keeps offering me his mom. I swear <laughs> he does. He's like, my mother's a whore. I want you to have her. See, that's a fucked up thing. I never offered you my mother, but you took her anyway. Yeah, that's because you're drunk. You're a drunkie. <laughs> it's okay to do that to drunk people. But uh, this guy loves me so much. And if you guys want to see like the most funniest review ever, him and his buddy who... You know, they're not the best at speaking English. I mean, Marco's pretty good. The other one doesn't really speak English that well. you got to hear these two reviewing my the Thrasher Die CD, my CD. It is the funniest review. These two guys gushing over it and uh, gushing over me. It's just, believe me, I'm not saying this because of my ego or anything. Just look at it because everybody that has seen it loves it. These two guys are hilarious. They're like the Italian Beavis and Butthead. Gushing over my uh, my band CD, Marco uh, Maresca. That's uh, his uh, his name. And uh, shout out to you, my son. I always call him son because he calls me God. That is the fan of the week, Marco Maresca. I would have him on the show, but that would be the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> All right. Well, as we were talking about the fan of the week. We're going to announce a new contest we're going to do right now. We're going to do a contest for all the fans. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to sign up on iTunes and leave a review. And leave a really good review. Something really creative, you know, something about, 
your favorite episode or what you think about the show as a whole. But we're trying we're trying to expand here on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. We're, we want to get, get like more name re, you know uh, guests. You know we want to expand, but we need to grow on iTunes. Most of our most of our listeners are on, you know Android devices and everything like that. But what people look at for whatever reason is iTunes. So go on iTunes and leave a really creative five star review or even a one star review as long as it's creative. But we're going to let this go up till, I would say, the end of January. We're going to let this contest go. Whoever gives us the best, most creative review, you are going to be a guest host on the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Look out! Exactly. And we'll get with you, you know, and we'll all agree on something we're going to talk about. But just go on there and say what you love, or, or even you can get, like, the shittiest review. As long as it's funny, go on there and talk about us. Let people know on iTunes because that's how we're going to get sponsors and that's how we're going to get more artists that you want to hear because we'd really love to do that. We'd really love to talk to some rock stars and have them on our show. And there's some we already have laid out, you know, that you don't know about that we're working on right now that are going to be on our show. Some great, great artists that are going to be on our show. But we want more. We are fucking greedy. We want more. And here's where you, the fans, can help us. Is go on iTunes. Give us a review. Say why you should be the fucking guest host. And what you love about the show. Like I said, this is going to go through the end of January. We're going to pick one. And you are going to be on the show. And you're going to help this show elevate. We are doing so good so good i'm not complaining one bit we have a lot of fans but we need a little bit more on the itunes angle and that's how you're going to help us out and we're going to help you out because we're going to give you better shows if that's possible yeah and also another thing like you know if we get like a lot of reviews on itunes and good reviews on itunes uh, we get, you know, we'll get a better name out there. So it'll, it won't be hard when we go up to management and say, look, this is our podcast. Check out, you know, our following and, and we can get more people. And can you imagine Ian, this drunk guy, talking to like rock stars? It'd be the funniest shit ever. And, you oh, know, yeah. Because I'm going to tell Robert Plant everything I fucking think about him. Yeah, he's going to bring up hot dog and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to go from now to fucking Zen. How, that shit's yeah. going to happen. How cool would it be for Robert Plant to hang up on Ian? So, <laughs> so, so we need we need you guys out there to, you know, come on. We know you're listening. It doesn't take that much effort. Leave um, leave positive. Uh, f- positive. Come on, be positive. If you leave negative shit, that's fine, as long as it's toward Ian. If it's toward me... Fuck you! You'll never be on the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't care what you say about me. Yeah, I got I thin you. skin. Yeah, yeah, I love your mother, regardless. I but end I, up in the fetal position, crying for my mother when people say anything negative about me. Yeah, I can take it. I can take it like a champ. So can your mom. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she can't. Not so much. Let's go to pick of the week. All right, you go first. All right, my pick of the week, this is great. This is going to be a fun pick of the week because I know Ralph hates my pick of the week. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. 
but I do not give a fuck. It is probably my second favorite Anthrax album of all time. Uh oh. And it is Persistence of Time. <laughs> I love, 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 love this album. Um, it was the last studio album with Joey Belladonna before uh, before he was kicked out. And I think it's heavy as fuck. I think it's a dark album. I think it sounds great. Just amazing. I think it's a great rebound after State of Euphoria, which I don't hate State of Euphoria as much as most people do. I think there's a lot of great songs on there. There is some filler, but I think there's a lot of great songs. But I think Persist Some Time is an incredible, heavy, heavy album. And I was, I was... I couldn't believe they kicked him out after that album to get John Bush. Even though, goddamn, I love Sound of White Noise. I love all the John Bush albums. But uh, Persistent Time, I think, is a very, very underrated metal album. I'm a huge Anthrax fan. And uh, I would love any Anthrax fan or metal fan, period, to go back and check out Persistent Time and... If you don't like it, Ralph will give you your money back. Me, not so much. But uh, I, I love it. Uh, Ralph, what you got this week? Oh, my God. It's a horrible album. Uh, oh, so oh no, no, no. Not my pick. Your pick. Um, mine, since we were talking about Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen's released this album. It's so under the radar, and it's so awesome. When he was, I believe, he was kicked out of Deep Purple uh, after House of Blue Light. They, yes. kicked, they kicked him out of the band. And while he was out of the band, he released an album called Toolbox. Have you ever heard that album, Ian? Uh, I haven't. I know of it, but I've heard... Uh, I believe Roger Glover plays on that, too. Oh, okay. I'm not sure about that. I, it's an awesome, awesome, heavy, cool album. I believe... I could be wrong, but I believe that's Steve Morse on guitar on that album. Um, no, great. No? No. No. I, I believe it's C.C. DeVille. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Then, then we're talking about the wrong, uh, the wrong album because the guitar playing oh, really, bad. the guitar playing is really good on this. Um, <laughs> it is an awesome, awesome album. Really heavy and catchy. A lot of good tunes on it. Uh, Ian Gillen's Toolbox. Highly recommend you guys out there check it out. It's probably up on YouTube. Very under the radar. Nobody knew about it. Hell, I didn't even know about it until I went to my friend's house, and he had it. And he's like, I was like, what the hell is this? He's like, oh, that's Ian Gillen's new solo album. He's like, what? What was this? Like, maybe 90, 90? No, maybe a little later. I think this was like maybe 93. This album was released somewhere around there. Highly recommend it. If anybody that likes Ian Gillen, likes his voice, likes Deep Purple, likes Born Again... Chances are, when you hear this, you're going to want to own it, because it's that good. And uh, every pick of the week I do is something I stand behind 110%, and Toolbox is one of those freaking albums that's just awesome. I love it. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. I will definitely check that out. Okay, so um, that is uh, our episode for this week. Exciting episode. Um, I also, oh, I remembered. Uh, I saw Judas Priest uh, two nights ago, and Rob Halford sounded better than he has since he's been in fight. Because I, you know, Halford's voice has been hurting through the years. Man, 
Two nights ago, he hit every single note of Victim of Changes, Devil's Child, hit those high notes at the end of Jawbreaker. First time Jawbreaker's been on the preset list since 1984. Love Bites. Awesome, awesome show. Steel Panther are open, and Steel Panther, what do you guys... A lot of people hate them. They call them like a Spinal Tower parody. Man, they're so much fun live. They're hilarious. They're, they're, I highly recommend it. And if they're, you know, they're touring together. If you're listening to this, they're coming to town. Man, I know, I know. Whoever's listening to this podcast is going to see Jews Priest. Come on. But go in early. Just give them a chance. You will have a good time watching Steel Panther because they're just a fun band. Now... Yes, I understand there's a lot of people with wild hair up your ass. And you don't like a sense of humor. You don't get pussy. Yeah, stay outside. But those who do get laid, who understands what it's like to feel a vagina, go in early. You will love Steel Panther. Maybe not their music, but you will love their stage moves, their, you know, the comedy. It's just, to me, it's they're just fun. A fun oh, band. Steel Panther is awesome, and musically they're awesome. I think they're extremely talented. Oh, yeah. I, what I love is you listen to their songs, like on any of their albums. That shit sounds like it came right out of 87. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, wow, that sounds like a fucking hit. And, like, I mean, really, if you, you can't take a joke, your mom can take a joke. That's why you're fucking here, you know? <laughs> yeah, because Steel Panther banger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go rock out. It's a lot of fucking fun. A lot of fucking fun. A lot of people bitching about that lineup of Judas Priest and Steel Panther. Man, I'll tell you what. I live in New Orleans. They ain't fucking coming. I wish they were. I'd be there in a fucking heartbeat. So if they come to a town near you, first of all, assholes, it's fucking Judas Priest. Yeah. Second, second of all, Steel Panther. Check it fucking out. Support real fucking metal, you know. And how many more times is Priest going to come around? Come on, let's be honest here. Maybe, if we're lucky, one more time. If we're lucky. Exactly. Because, you know, come on, man. They're they're, they're old, man. And like all these fucking bands, man. It's like... And oh, and I also want to say that new guitar player. Look, I have the... I'm I'm a purist, okay? And to me, I know technically Glenn Tipton is better than K.K. Downing. Technically. But I enjoy K.K. Downing's guitar playing much more than Glenn's. This new guy is, is like, technically as good as Glenn. This guy rips, maybe even, no, I wouldn't say better, but man, I mean, he's up there. And this guy... Richie Faulkner, let's give him credit. Richie Faulkner, incredible. And unfortunately, I left after the show. Richie Faulkner came out. And all my friends took pictures with him. How cool is that? Oh, damn. <coughs> yeah, I saw it on Facebook. I'm like, wow, this guy came out to the t-shirt stand. You know? It's like, how cool is that? Well, he was incredible. Rob Halford, let me tell you, man, this guy was singing like I haven't seen him sing since the 90s. I mean, you got to see him now. Because I don't know if his voice can... I don't know what happened. That was no tape either. He was... Generally screaming his ass off. It was incredible. I highly recommend to go see Judas Priest. And they played my four favorite songs off the new album. Which they only play four songs off the album. Oh, I love Dragonaut. I love Dragonaut. They open with Dragonaut. They play Halls of Valhalla, my favorite song. 
March of the Damned. They played March of the Damned. Oh, and the they played the title track. Those are my four favorite tracks off the album. Um, and uh, it was just incredible. It was incredible. I saw them at the same venue. They filmed the 30th anniversary of British Steel. And, and uh, Eddie Trunk introduced them, right? Eddie Trunk was there again, yes. He introduced uh, before they came out. Yeah, he came out for a little for a little second. And, and Eddie, Eddie Trunk, who did an intro for our show. Last time I was there, what yes, was that? Yes, Deep Purple, when I saw Deep, Deep Purple, Purple show. Uh, I, I met Eddie Trunk. I had him do an intro, which I'll put, you know, you guys heard the intro. I'll tack it onto this one. And uh, that's it, my friend. Do you have any last words there, Ian? Well, yeah, um... As I was looking at, uh, there were some reviews from the show you went and saw, and uh, besides saying it was a great show, a lot of reviews said that Rob Halford came out at the end of the show and said, hey, how can I listen to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast? That is true. He did say that. Well, Rob Halford, this is how you can listen to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Come on to podbean.com, type in Rock and Metal Podcast. Also, if you are an Android device, try Podcast Addict. Go on there. Just type in Rock and Metal Combat. You'll get our shows every week. Every week. All you got to do is do the update. You get all our shows. Go on iTunes. We stress our fans. Please go on iTunes. Just If it's just to leave a request. And then, you know, do whatever you got to do. But, uh, you know, give us a review. We thank all the listeners. We're doing great, but we want to do better. And by us doing better, we can bring you better shows. Because we want to start getting some real artists, you know, to chime in. And I was talking to fucking Dr. Fuck about this. You know, because we would love to do interviews. But you know what would be cool is one of your favorite stars comes on here and talks about an album with us. The same way we talk about these albums. Like, let them pick an album, and we'll all go track through track. How great would that be? Oh, and and oh, and I even got another genius idea. Join join the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Facebook page because if you do that, and we do set up an interview with a, an artist, we're going to ask you to ask a question, and we will even throw out your name. Say so and so wanted to know. So we'll have the listeners actually ask the artist question. Now, your question better be fucking good or we're not going to ask it. Exactly. But there you go. We want to do the best show we can, but we got to get a little bit bigger than we are. And you guys can help this. And, I, yeah, and, I, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Ian, but I disagree. We are as big as we are. We are as big as we want to be. The only problem is, is that a lot of people judge by iTunes. So if everybody right. out there that's listening to us, the amount of people that listen to us now, if they go on iTunes and leave comments, that's all we need. So you guys out there, come on, man. You're part of the family. And again, I must stress, join that so we get to know you. Be on our Facebook page. We get to know you. We interact there a lot. We put up a lot of shit. We'll give you, keep you up to date with stuff. Join us and be part of our show, you know. And we might even have you on the show if you're interesting enough. There you go. I could say it better, but I'm too lazy too. So, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And come back this Sunday and every Sunday for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, eat pussy till you're fucking, you get lockjaw.
Shazbat Nanu Nanu. Bye-bye.